shed the days like skin Pray for evenings in Hold their hands in the street When you walk them off to school A box too full to shut A cardboard paper cut The bleeding edge of a picture Of your parents when they were cool Welcome to Edu Matters, where education matters. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementsOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Brueger. Welcome to the Edu Matters Podcast, Episode 9 Digital Citizenship for September 11th, 2012. I'm your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, my co host, Brian Brueger, is not available. And thus, the Element OP producer, Mark Cockrell, will be filling in. Our special guest this week is Tanya Avrith, all the way from way up in Canada. And I think I'm supposed to say A. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. We are very excited to have you. You have some wonderful things to bring us on digital citizenship that I simply cannot wait to dive into. But I'm going to go ahead and get this off my shoulders and just go ahead and vent it so I don't whine the whole show. Well, I probably still will. And if you're a regular listener, that's kind of what I do. But um, yeah, so getting older, because I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination, getting older is not fun. And I have to whine really quick. So in the great U.S., yesterday was Labor Day and we're all off work and enjoying our day doing things like floating the river, which if you're not from the South or Central Texas, that means we all get in huge inner tubes and literally get in rivers and float. And it's lazy and relaxing and lovely, unless you have a three-year-old with you who decided she didn't want to be in the water any longer, and thus mommy would be her tube. So now mommy's every muscle hurts because I had to bend and stretch and get comfortable-ish, get comfortable-ish for her so she didn't get wet because the water was cold because the river happens to be underground fed and 72 degrees and she just wasn't happy with that so i hurt and i'm gonna whine about it all right mark that's all i have that's have vastly anything? different parenting style to my own i would have said get over it you're in a river you're gonna get wet and gone on with my life yeah, when we got out, she was still mostly dry, actually. And there was a tube chute and two small little waterfalls, and she was still dry. Yeah. I, I don't have those issues up here. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> y- y'all don't have rippers? Or- <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the same. It would be freezing all year round, and we would not be getting in it at that at that point. I have some I family uh, up in Alaska, and I went to visit them one summer, and they said, hey, the uh, glaciers are melting, and we like to go swimming at the base of the glaciers. You want to go with us? And I said, with all my heart, no. And in fact, I don't. <laughs> because I want my heart to still be beating at the end. So way up here, whereabouts in Canada are you, Miss Tanya? I am in uh, Montreal, Quebec. So it's a bilingual province, so I speak some French and English. But I consider myself to be an Anglophone, meaning that I speak English as my first language. Very interesting. The things we learn right off the bat around here, Mark, I'm telling you. <laughs> Mais j'ai pas de français aussi. Okay, we're just going <laughs> to listen to her talk for the next hour. <laughs> All in favor? <laughs> but we will do this interview in English. <laughs> 
Yeah, so when you say you speak some French, what you mean is you actually speak it pretty much fluently, but uh, uh, you just won't have to be modest and say some French, right? Well, I understand everything, and right. I can speak, but I wouldn't say 100% fluent, but I'm, I can get by, so I, I'm pretty good. See, I speak some French. French fries, French dressing, <laughs> French toast. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful language. <laughs> I, I do actually uh, speak Spanish and, and therefore can understand a lot of the other Romance lang languages. <laughs> yeah, I just speak Southern. That's all I got, y'all. Sorry. <laughs> I talk good English and bad English. <laughs> yeah, some of the time. You know, well, I, I used to good. <laughs> I hope to come visit the South this June for ISTE, so hopefully we'll, get all t we'll all meet there. <laughs> Is that in San Antonio again this year? Yes, it's back in San Antonio. Nice. You know, where we're going to be barbecuing, hanging out, floating on the river. And what will you be doing in hot Atlanta, Mark? Uh, I don't know. Probably working. Yeah, we won't be. We'll be not doing that. Yeah. No. Please come down, Tanya, and hustle up a coal front when you come and bring it with you. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> Hey, that's all I can ask for, right? Yeah. If you've never spent a week in summer in South Texas, it'll be an interesting experience for a Canadian. You know, I didn't think about that. Y'all gonna be hot. <laughs> it's hot here in the summer. You guys don't get it. It really is. We're going to do this interview again the week after ISTE, and I bet she has a brand new definition yeah. of hot. Just, well, I've been, I've been to some hot places. So there I is hot, hot, and there is South Texas hot. They're not uh -huh. in the same league. <laughs> No, they're, they're not at all. People go well, to places in very little clothing, and it's totally acceptable because it's the only way that you can live. Well, I'm looking forward to trying it out. I'll tell you that. <laughs> all right. I think we should schedule her for the week after Esteem. What do you think, Mark? It's your show. I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why the show continues. We have that great understanding. Alrighty, so you will be coming down to the great, wonderful, week-long event that is ISTE because you do what, Miss Tanya? I work, um, it, I have a strange title, but I'll explain to you what I do. Basically, my title is I'm an itinerant digital citizenship and educational technology teacher. So what does that mean? I work in the schools with teachers and students. Um, and by schools, we have 60 schools in my board. We have school boards where I live. Um, I guess you guys have districts. Right. So same idea. Um, ours is one of the largest English-speaking school boards in the province that I live in. So it's huge. We service um, about 32,000 students and about 4,800 educators. And there's two of me. <laughs> so I am very, very busy. Uh, I put together workshops on various technology, ed tech topics, digital citizenship. And I set, I help set up programs as they come in the schools. And basically, I'm trying to get teachers hooked on good pedagogy and awesome teaching. So um, I, I'm a busy per I'm a busy girl every single day when I go into work. I can tell you that. And when does y'all school year run? Do you run the traditional 187? Yeah, basically. I mean, we started before Labor Day 
um, the kids came in, I think it was the 29th, and then they had a Labor Day off, and then they basically start up again this week. So um, we run until the end of June with the students, and the teachers run until July 1st, basically. Oh, wow. Okay, very interesting. That seems much similar to what um, I, I kind of do, and I, I know a number of our listeners, kind of the instructional technology role is generally what it's called in this area, but that that term is so non-defined, if you will, that, you know, everyone get, gives it a slightly different title. But I, I like what y'all are calling it, and really embracing that digital citizenship piece just sounds kind of like the missing link that we all too often face. It's like, well, there's that thing, you know, that, that digital citizenship thing. So what is digital citizenship? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Uh, basically, digital citizenship can be defined as like the norms of appropriate, responsible behavior uh, with regard to using technology. Um, it's a term, like a, a concept that helps teachers and technology leaders and parents to understand what students um, and, and, and children and technology users should know to use appropriately. So it's more than just a teaching tool. It's it's a way to prepare students and technology users for a society full of technology. And I'm quoting um, Ribble and Bailey, um, which um, they're basically my gurus. And uh, you can check out uh, their website at digitalcitizenship.net. And they basically put together this whole concept of digital citizenship looking at nine elements. And it, it kind of governs everything we do. So if you have good citizens in the, in the day-to-day world, it can easily be applied to the digital world because now, you know, those lines are fuzzy and blurred. And what we do in the day-to-day world has to also have some sort of norms and rules and sort of guidelines as to how we proceed in the digital world as well. And I, I like that explanation. I'm looking at the site here that you provided, the digitalcitizenship.net. What I often find and and here is the two sides right the well we don't need this stuff in the school this stuff being of course anything that has an electron in it we don't need this stuff in school that's just frivolous and then way on the other extreme are people who say we shouldn't even use the term digital citizenship anymore it should just all be included with the idea of citizenship (laughs) how do you feel about that that's such a great uh i'm glad you it's a great uh that you brought that up because there's, I mean, I work in schools with so many teachers and those people who are at the other extreme are kind of, I think, kind of not seeing the reality of like the day to day that the teachers are not where we want them to be yet. Not saying that, you know, that they shouldn't be more, you know, ahead, but they're not. And so, the other side, the other extreme where people are saying, well, you know, I don't want this technology in my class. They're literally, you know, they have their heads in the sand and basically they're waiting for a real good, you know, swift kick in the behind because that's what's going to happen. I mean, the world is changing. The way that we function is changing and the way that students are learning is changing and we got to be prepared for them because that's where we're headed. 
So I think that we need to have some sort of program and we can call it whatever you want to call it. But I like the idea of digital citizenship because it sort of puts a name to something that we have to learn about and it gives it some sort of purpose in what we do from a day to day um, when we look at in regards to using technology anywhere and any in everything we do. You say that we need to learn about it, but for those that, you know, don't believe in it, it's kind of the, the mythical unicorn, if you will. I guess that would be redundant. It's kind of a myth or a unicorn. Why? Why do we need this so desperately? What, uh, what's the big woo-ha? All right. Well, let's, uh, there's a, this analogy that myself and a colleague of mine put together. Um, her name is Natasha Mentor while we were doing our masters. And, um, basically we call it the, uh, the WWW, the wild, wild west. And, you know, it kind of puts a, an understanding to why you need to have some sort of program, like some sort of digital citizenship in your school. So look, if we look at the Internet um, and we 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 look at, uh, you know, if we look at the student, basically the Internet and the student could be kind of compared to the Wild Wild West and the student could be like the cowboy you know, um, the internet without any formal education is kind of like, uh, it could be a scary place. You have no guidelines, you have no safety net. Um, and the student really has no consequences because they don't know any better. So there's this fear that teachers and, and parents have. They, they're terrified of what's out there digitally because they don't know how to handle it when things happen. So, with something like digital citizenship, when you put it as part of your curriculum, when you make it as part of what you do on a day to day, and it's not supposed to be an add on, it's not at all an add on, it really complements what you do on a day to day. When you add some sort of formal education as part of your teaching, as part of your, you know, day to day with your, with your kids, you can then teach them how to make the internet a safe place, a safe community, a venue for learning. And, you know, then once you've sort of integrated some sort of program, you incorporate digital citizenship, then the student then becomes a, like a law abiding citizen, you know, no more cowboy. They got, they get it. They're a citizen in the digital world and they have an understanding for internet etiquette and safety and what, you know, how to use technology appropriately so that now you can move forward and not be afraid of the technology and actually use it and all its wonders and all its beauty and move forward with it. Um, I think that it's important for, you know, students and teachers to also remember that their actions and choices will follow them for the rest of their lives. And I think that teachers really need to recognize this. Um, there's so many things that happen um, uh, online, people that don't get jobs later on down the line, you know, your your digital footprint will follow you. And I think that we need to educate teachers, we need to educate our their parents, we need to educate the students. They, this is not going to go away. The digital world's not disappearing. The, for those who are, you know, refusing to accept it, well, well, they're in for a big surprise because it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to get better. And if they're not going to be on with it, then they're going to be left behind. So you said students should educate their parents. What does that look like? Well, I think that I, I think that um, often we have this kind of misconception that the students don't know anything. <laughs> they they know a lot more than we give them credit for. We have to give them some ownership in what they do. Um, 
they 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 know they know they have a good moral compass you have to let them in on the conversation um basically you know we and the teachers are often afraid too that the the you know that if they include technology that the, the students are going to take over and they know more than we do listen the teachers know how to teach that will never change students don't necessarily always know how to use the technology to learn but they can they do know how to use it why not harness that and have the students teach the teachers about the technology and have the student and the teachers teach the students about appropriate use because when you talk about ethics and morals your teachers still understand that but what they don't necessarily are understand is always how to use it so i always say you know partner with your kids partner with your students have the students you know use um use each other like use partner with them so that you can learn from each other that's a that's a pretty loaded response there tanya <laughs> what what i get from my more veteran teachers is they don't so often see it as a teaching or a learning opportunity it really focuses on that control word they feel they feel like they lose control when they turn that opportunity over to students. How do you say, how do you handle that where it's not about control, it's about teaching and learning? Well, I wonder how much the teachers really understand what digital citizenship really is. Um, I think that once they have an understanding, uh, a much more clear understanding, because right now it's, I remember the first time I heard about digital citizenship, it was very overwhelming. And now I'm so entrenched and I'm so involved and it's part of my life. It's part of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I, I kind of talk about it like it's not a big deal, but I think we really need to approach our, you know, our teachers and really teach them. And we really need to sort of formalize the teaching with, with them and explain and give them workshops and talk to them and teach them and educate them about what it means to be digital citizens. They're not there yet either. And so I think that that's one of the biggest obstacles we face as, um, you know, ed tech directors or, you know, whatever we were, whatever our roles are called, because I think that we sort of live it, we know it, we're tweeting, we're doing, we're in, we're, everyone we communicate with is like at our level. And then we go into the schools and we have to like, we have to realize we're, they're not there yet. And we really need to take the time to teach them and, 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 you know, really like, have them feel comfortable with what we're talking about because they don't understand what it is. I was quoting you on Twitter and had to jump back and, and hit my <laughs> mic. I love that. I think we do get entrenched where, where we are and where we're comfortable and we forget that everyone else isn't there sometimes. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person. My husband, bless his heart, you guys know he's he's not he's not the techie person in the relationship that's for certain and he'll sometimes look at me and he'll say are you twitting i'm like honey i'm not real sure what twitting is but if it's something i should be doing you let me know but i think that's sometimes what we face with our teachers we get so excited about it because we see the potential and we don't even stop and go okay this is what it actually is. And this is how it works. We're already on like step 12 when we walk in the room to talk to them. And I have to wonder if that's how they feel with the kids. Like the kids are already 12 steps ahead and they're well, just scared to leave the starting line. 
that is exactly how they feel. They're so overwhelmed. They're so terrified of all the things that can go wrong. They're not there yet. I mean, think about like 2005, okay? Not such a long time ago, right? What were the things we were using in 2005? Um, I know for a fact that that was, I think, the first year that I, I, I'd heard about Facebook. Maybe I got on in 2006. Think about that for a moment. Not such a long time ago. In terms of the world of social media, look how quickly we've been moving. It's like, like insanely quickly. And we're just sort of getting there and we're leaders in what we do, right? We're people who have backgrounds in education and educational technology. We're people who live it. We breathe it. We, 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 we have backgrounds, you know, and maybe in communications. We're production people. We're techie people. We're the early adopters, you know. A lot of people aren't there yet. And we have to realize that often, you know, we can't get discouraged in what we do because they're going to get there. It's only a matter of time. We just have to be patient and we have to educate our teachers and educate our parents and educate our community members about not being fearful of the technology, about moving forward with the technology. And how we do that is we have to keep on teaching them about being digital citizens. We have to get them there. And once we get them to be less fearful of the technology, then we'll be able to move forward with it. And one of the ways that you've done done this is something you call the DCP. Yes. <laughs> Tell me so, about the DCP. Okay. So two years ago when I, I first came... Um, when I came from the classroom to this job, I, my first day of work, my boss, who's a visionary, uh, his name is Michael Keckley. And he uh, also is an ed tech man with an ed tech graduate degree, just like myself. And uh, we think the same. So he came to me, he, <laughs> it was my first day on the job. He hands me digital citizenship in schools by Ribble and Bailey. It was literally my Bible. Um, and it's from the it's the same uh, person that I was mentioned before, digitalcitizenship.net, the one with the nine elements. And he puts the book on my desk and he says, Tanya, we're going to change things this year. And so when I started my first day at the job two years ago, all of our uh, internet was on lockdown. Uh, we had Barracuda, meaning like everything was filtered, everything was blocked. Um, there was just the policy was so thick. It was like a Bible. I mean, it was so big. The internet policy was just iron clad iron. I can't even explain. It was insane. Everything was just blocked, blocked, blocked. And that was the mentality in the school. And he says, Tanya, we're going to change things. We're going to teach them about appropriate use. And we're going to teach them that they shouldn't be fearful. And we're going to change policy this year. So he says, put together a presentation for me. I'm going to be presenting. And I, uh, this was my first day. I said, oh my God. <laughs> so basically that's how we started. And we worked with uh, teachers. We worked with principals. We worked with, and uh, the way it works here is we have commissioners. I guess maybe you have superintendents there. They're elected officials that work with you. I don't know if it's the same way, but we worked with our elected officials. We worked with students. We created committees with them and we decided okay you know what we have to we knew we needed to move forward with our internet policy so we had committees that worked on it we rewrote the it policy so that it went from you know this thick book to like a three-page document we eliminated tons of it because it was just it was not allowing us to move forward and um basically i worked with uh, a group of elementary and high, uh, high school teachers to come up with an actual curriculum and i i really 
really borrowed a lot from uh, Common Sense Media, which has a fantastic, fantastic resource. It's amazing with a great curriculum and resources for teachers on digital citizenship in schools. And we came up with something that was specific for our kids, specific for our teachers. And we called it the DCP, the Digital Citizenship Program. We got... Uh, we basically got what, uh, representatives from every single school on our board. We would meet with them on a regular basis. We would educate them. We were ho- hoping that they would then bring whatever we were discussing back to the schools. And we created resources for them, newsletters a, and a website. So you can actually check out our website at dcp.lbpsb.qc.ca. And it has... All the stuff that I'm talking about, we made this resource available for them. Um, and we we put it together and we continue to give workshops and to go into schools. And we're very proactive. We, we, we you know, we're this year I'm planning on spending five days in every single high school in my, in my, in my board, giving workshops at, in the morning, at lunch, after school, during their spares. I will just plant myself in the school and offer as many uh, opportunities to speak with teachers as I possibly can and hopefully, you know, be invited into their classes. And I just, I'm just go, 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 you know, getting the message out there. Um, so basically, you know, we had to, a lot of fights. There was a lot of obstacles faced. Uh, we had a very restrictive policy, as I, as I mentioned. Um, you know, we had a lot of, you know, issues with the IS team who really wanted to keep things on lockdown. And we had to fight. It was, it was a fight. But we're, right now, I am very proud to say that our board has Facebook open. Our board has Twitter open. YouTube is open. All the blog sites are open. The only thing that's blocked are 18 plus and gambling sites. So I'm really proud to say that we've very much moved forward. Wow, I'm I'm tired just listening to you. <laughs> and it seems like no matter what we discuss, digital citizenship, um, a particular tool, live minders, pick something, an app, we always seem to come back to this point of no return where it's so nice to have Mark sitting there ready to jump in. <laughs> we always get to the place where we talk about blocking slash filtering. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm so entrenched at hearing the word filtering. It's like, yes, you know, I'm the great filter fighter. And, you know, someone in a position like Mark is often in the place where they're the great, you know, gatekeeper, if you will, and, and back and forth, back and forth. So Mark does have a, a very open mind. What what we always do is say, okay, who's filtering? Who's blocking? What's being blocked? How do you get around this in your school? But the way you said it, when, when you were talking about how much was locked down and how much was blocked, it just really made me think, would we be okay if we replaced internet or technology or YouTube or whatever with literacy or geography skills or algebra? If we replaced those words with one of those words, I think we would see people jumping through hoops to make sure that algebra could be taught in the schools, was getting to the schools the way the kids need it, or literacy mm-hmm. or something like that. So why are we so, okay, feel free to jump in, Mark, on blocking all of these other evils out there? Well, I'm not really sure what it is you want me to say. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you, you hang with the, the great... The, but, but, uh, <laughs> go ahead. But and, my, 
answer the question. Can I can I jump in please, for a moment? Please. There's such a this it's such a false miscon like such a misconception that you're actually doing anything by blocking it in the school. Um, most of these kids have smartphones. They can go on at any time. They're on 3G. They access whatever you they want to access. So who are we fooling? What are you really blocking them from? All you're doing is just not educating and and pawning off the issue to someone else, saying it's not my problem. I don't want to deal with it. That's all you're doing by blocking. You're not educating you're not teaching them anything because they're going to go home and they're going to use it and all you're doing then is just showing them that you know what we're not going to deal with the situation the parents aren't going to deal with it because they don't know any better so in the end what are we teaching them as educators to block everything it's not going to do anything it's only the the, uh, the internet's just going to get bigger and it's going to become a much scarier place the more you don't teach them about digital citizenship yeah, that was always that was always sort of my uh, take on it. Is it it doesn't work. The best you can do is block poorly. So instead of uh, you know, it's that uh, old line that a, a false sense of security is worse than no security. Uh, if teachers uh, and students uh, and parents, worst of all, think that uh, everything's blocked and everything's safe, they're wrong. Um, what 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 changed my mind, and I and I've mentioned this on the show before. Uh, I, I was always fairly open about uh, filtering, and and my my uh, thought as a technology director is that our job is to to make a good faith effort to keep them from accidentally stumbling into something they shouldn't. You know, it if they're going to go looking for it, we can't stop it. But let's let's block the obvious stuff. Let's take you know Playboy dot com out of there, and 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 that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, but uh, but when I saw a few years ago a, a Word document uh, stored on our network server on the middle school drive that was 95 pages, each page filled with 50 different proxy sites. So you, you do the math on that. 4,000 plus proxy sites there uh, on my network that somebody had either downloaded or taken the time to compile. I don't know which. Uh, I realized that you know I would never be able to keep up with them because uh, even if i blocked all four thousand plus of those nearly five thousand um it wouldn't it wouldn't matter because there'd be another thousand in a week so i really took a different approach instead of you know and and it's the the best filter in the classroom is that salaried professional teacher um and let's turn these things into learning opportunities because yeah you're not going to uh um, have a filter everywhere you go. And if kids aren't prepared with how to deal with hate speech and, you know, beheading videos and not just porn, but that uh, the ugly side of the web, then um, we're not teaching them to be good digital citizens. Absolutely. And, and we have to start, you know, again with our teachers, because to be honest, they don't understand what it means to be a digital citizen either. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a, a negative way, but I, what I mean is that they're afraid that they don't have the tools uh, or the, the necessary, you know, uh, knowledge base to, to go forward. We really have to provide them with resources. We really have to tell them, okay, this is what digital citizenship is. Um, this is how, these are topics that, you, you know, you could teach. So you're teaching about, you know, 
uh, you're starting a, a lesson and you're going to have the kids do research. Okay, great. So, you know, these are some things that you have to look at the plagiarism, copyright issues. You know, this is all part of digital citizenship as well, right? It's not an add on. It's something you're going to do anyway. So before you do it, you're going to talk about it. You're doing a project with a video camera. Fantastic. Okay, let's talk about appropriate use of the video camera. Let's talk about who you should and shouldn't be filming, where you should and shouldn't be posting things. I mean, you teach them, they will learn, they will listen, give them ownership, let them, let the teach, let the students, ha you know, give them a little bit of faith that they're going to do the right thing. Because to be honest, if you look at the statistics, it's probably like 5% of the rotten, you know, like rotten apple kind of syndrome where they ruin it for the rest of everybody else. Most of the kids are good kids. They just want to learn. They want to use it. They want to be excited about it. They, they want to use the tools that they're excited about. And we have to give them that opportunity. You know, the way I, I was lucky to work with some uh, progressive administrators and, and the way they handled it was, uh, uh, you know, first time you get into something you shouldn't, you're warned. The second time you lose your network access. That's and right. that means everything you do for the rest of the semester is pen and paper. The student hates that. The teachers hate that because now they're having to do take all their digital lessons and make paper versions of them. So it makes everybody uh, responsible for uh, for making sure that um, the rules are followed because the teachers don't want to do that the students sure don't want to do that and so it, it it never I never had a repeat offender you know once uh, once a principal said okay that's it disable the account for the next uh, eighteen weeks you know that that's a pretty heavy hand and it it was very effective so so rule me this you two if digital citizenship such as the digital citizenship program, the idea is to prepare kids and, and students and, and teachers, certainly get them prepared for quote unquote, the real world. What, what is that like, Mark? Tanya alluded to the fact that we do get very entrenched where we are and what we're in love with. How does this cross over into the non-education world? Well, now I, that I think the answer to that question is where are you? So the real world in my house is that I don't have a filter, and most houses don't. You know, most parents don't take the time to do, to do that. With you three know, children. Right. Even with three children, I don't have a filter. I, uh, I, you know, I teach them what they shouldn't do, and I know they're going to do things they shouldn't do, um, you know, and, and we deal with it that way. There's not a, there's not a, an alcohol filter either. You know, they're going to, they're going to drink, I don't have to stock it in my fridge for that to happen. So it's that that's the way um, that that it is in most houses. Most parents don't take the time to do that. And even you know, as uh, technological as I am, if it ever comes a problem, sure, I'll deal with it just like anything else. Uh, but you know, in my house, they don't use the computer alone. It's in a public room with everybody watching. That's the way we do it. the 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 iPads, the the laptops, they don't go up to the bedroom. They stay in the living room. But anyway, so that's the home. At work, the sad reality is at work, not only are things going to be totally locked down, but to, usually to the point where you can't even do your job. You know, these tools that we talk about in school, when you go into the corporate business place or, or certainly where I work in the healthcare, everything is locked down. So it's really a mixed message. You know, we're, we're teaching these kids to, to be responsible and then we, we send them off to, quote, the real world where they assume they're irresponsible. I'm, I'm sure that's not the warm, fuzzy answer you were hoping for, but 
that's the truth as I see it. No, but it's it's a good truth because in and I worked before I worked in education, I was in a place where things were certainly very well locked down, which of course for me was just a challenge to see how quickly I could get around it. But and not to go anywhere bad, but just because they put a block. So I wanted to get past it. Thank you very little. But I think that's that's kind of where we we get caught up. If we create these artificial environments for the kids to work in, some would argue on the business sense that makes that makes total sense. Because if I have this artificial environment where you can only do your work with these parameters that I've given you, then the idea is you're not going to leave and go to a competitor. I've I've kind of trapped you in my world. But for the kids, we're doing them a complete disservice to put them in an artificial world that's geared to K-12 because they are going to leave and be either in a dorm room or in college or on their own or whatever you know path they choose where the K-12 world is so far removed from their real world. I mean, come on, what have we done really? Have we educated them at all? At all? But what do you think, Taylor? We also have. Well, I think that there's also uh, preparing them to get to that workplace because there's so many things that they have to think about, uh, in like in today's day and age. Like, for example, their digital footprint. Um, you know, they have to remember that the information that they publish online is going to forever be online, and uh, you know, it will be uh, accessible to their future employers, right? So we have to teach them that. We, you know, we also have to talk about when they apply for a job, and you know, what what email address are they using? Are they using like sexygirl one two three at hotmail dot com? I mean, we have to teach them about you know. Uh, that that's all part of digital citizenship. Like we have to get them that job. That's our responsibility as educators is to prepare them for the real world. And the real world includes, you know, educating them about being good digital citizens. Also, once they are employed, I mean, are they going to go on Facebook and rant out their employer like, uh, or Twitter where he can possibly see, I mean, so many things you got to think about. And to be honest, like a lot of their parents are, are, are at the same point where they're doing these things that they shouldn't be doing as well. So, you know, we have to get them to the real world and we got to teach them about what they should and shouldn't be doing in order to save them from all the heartache later on in their lives. What about our future president of the United States? I mean, he's not mine, but he will be yours. Is he going to have, you know, a Twitter feed and a Facebook, you know, page where he posted drunken pictures of himself? I mean, all this stuff they got to think about. It's going to come back and haunt them. So I think the concept of digital citizen, uh, and, and, and we misrepresent it often in schools. If we say we're preparing them for, quote, the workplace or the real, I think what we need to be saying is we're preparing you for life. Uh, yes. Work is a very small part of life, and and I and I hear that, and I, don't let me get on a tangent. But when we're, you know, when we're talking about choosing the software, it's like, well, you got to have Microsoft Office because that's what they're going to use at work. But let's teach them how to actually live in a technologically uh, technologically advanced world, and forget about preparing them for the job that they might get right out of high school, because the odds are, uh, statistics show that the average person is going to go through about seven careers. In their lifetime, the the world of getting a job out of high school and keeping it till you retire is gone. So let's stop preparing for a job and start preparing for life. Absolutely. Here, here, Mark. Sorry, I'm putting here, my here. soapbox away now. <laughs> oh, we like you, you called down the thunder, Christy. I did. I like hearing it. It's it's a good 
yin and yang. It's a good reminder. And I like that we get so many different perspectives. That's the, the joy and beauty from the show. And Tanya's just north a couple thousand miles. She's just north of me, but in another country. And you wouldn't know. I mean, yeah, we're both in North America and we could certainly argue if, you know, I could find someone in Germany. Hey, anyone from Germany or somewhere, you know, another country that maybe doesn't even speak English. Let's go. I don't know. Let's go down to Brazil. Let's, let's pick someone else totally out of the woodworks. And I would like to say that, oh, they're so different. Just like they told me in school, they're so different. That That's just a different country. It's everything's different down there. I would venture to guess they're fighting much of the same battle, having much of the same questions that we discussed tonight. This is a, a problem. This is a solution. This is a skill that's worldwide for everyone right now. I don't think it's centralized to just North America. Uh, and I agree. And I, I think that they need to start looking for solutions as opposed to, you know, being fearful of things. Uh, filtering and blocking is not a solution. It's just a Band-Aid. That's right. <laughs> it's just a Band-Aid. Or I think bandage. Put that Band-Aid. Is that? We yeah. should. <laughs> it's a plaster. It's just a bandage. We should Never tweet remember that. what's trademarked <laughs> and what's not anymore. <laughs> we should tweet that. In our world, we're going to tweet it. <laughs> all right well we are looks like by time we're coming up on a on about that time to to bid farewell and i'm sure i can convince tanya to do it in some very wonderful french way that i assured shinola never could <laughs> but before we do we're going to keep her on to the end of the show without without brian here it's nice to have that third voice at the end of the show tanya we always give a tech tip something technologically surrounded somewhere somehow and a teacher tip and i have two of those ready if if you don't mind me throwing at you and you could come up with one or both of those in the back of your head that would be super duper awesome i'll do my best no pressure okay you've got no at pressure. least 45 seconds yeah okay. at least maybe a full minute if i talk real slow <laughs> my teacher tip of the week um actually comes from an experience i had here at school we are a not very affluent school district where I work and I frequent this site to see you know if anyone out there is needing anything it's called donors choose if you haven't heard of it the beginning of the year many teachers jump on board donorschoose.org to request things stuff tangibles for your classroom everything from markers to crayolas to scissors to iPads pick something and people around the world get on and donate you know different amounts of money very small amounts, all the way up to very large amounts, whatever. And it's just a great, um, I can't say this word, Mark, help me out. Philanthropic. Thank you, that word. <laughs> Venture. But one of my kindergarten teachers was actually on there needing iPods. I dug around the district, found some resources, this one laying here, there, and under, and was actually able to fulfill that wish for her. So that was really nice. And um, we're spreading the word to our other teachers that this is certainly a worthy cause. But I'm a big proponent of Donors Choose. That's my teacher tip for the week. If you haven't been on there and you're needing something for your classroom, we always are. Check that one out. And my tech tip comes from a blog post that I put together for my district on my day off today while I was homesick with a small one. And that's these, this email, right? We're getting all this information from parents and students. We've got email addresses. And inevitably what happens is we type them up 700 times while we're sending out emails. 
most different email, not vendors, help me tech guy, platforms. Services. That's a good word. Services. All your different email services. You can create contacts and groups. In Gmail, it's very simple. You change from mail to contacts in the top left where it says mail. And throw your contacts in, make a group, and then you type that group in. You only have to get the email address in there correctly one time, which is so helpful for me. And then you can send out groups. Be careful when you're sending out emails to parents. You don't want to put them in the to field. Maybe parents aren't comfortable sharing their email addresses with one another. Try to put them in that BCC, the blind carbon copy field. All righty, Mark, do you have anything else to throw at our viewers tonight? Uh, no, I think that covers it. All right, Tanya, you're 45 seconds of fame. Here you are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Um, maybe some of you are or not familiar. I don't know how many of you are. I love um, Digo. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Social bookmarking. Maybe that's old for some of you. Maybe not. But it's a great way of tracking student process as opposed to end product when working on research great digital citizenship tool because it teaches them about uh, how to uh, cite and annotate their resources so that when you get a bibliography, you can actually track where they've been and they can't tell you it's google.com that that's where they got all their information. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. Fabulous. That's a great one. Yes. I love hearing. where did you get that from? I got it from Google. Well, that's great. Then what? <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us tonight, Tanya. We much, much appreciate it. We will be asking you back specifically after ISTE to see if your definition of hot has changed. Thank you. <laughs> I will love to be back. <laughs> wonderful. And Mark, since you have the great and wonderful DJ voice, are you going to sign us out of here with some contact information? Sure, I can do that. If you'd like to uh, contact Christy, uh, you can do that on Twitter at Christy underscore Vincent. Uh, Tanya, do you have a Twitter handle or some yes. contact information you'd like to share? Absolutely. Please feel free to contact me on Twitter at EdTechSchools with an S at the end, plural, EdTechSchools. And if you'd like to know more about the stuff we do here at Element OP Productions, the place you can do that is elementop.com. If you'd like to be part of this show live, uh, listen to it live, or uh, ch participate, participate in the chat room, you can do that every Tuesday night at uh, 8 p.m. Central. Uh, excuse me, 8 p.m. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've recently changed time zones. 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. And I'll let you figure out what that is, Zuo time. Uh, elementop.com uh, uh, slash live is where we do that. Uh, you can also hop over onto the forums there. Uh, we have an EduMatters forum where you can ask questions, make comments, or just generally make fun of people. Uh, and uh, you can also find us on Twitter at elementop or facebook.com slash elementop. How's that? Fabulous. All right, last chance. Anyone else feel like saying goodnight, farewell, or come on, give us something in French, Tanya? Merci beaucoup et bonsoir. I think she said goodbye. And with that, I'll say shut your face. <laughs>